Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. There are concerns about an imbalance in the American scientific community. It's a community dominated by men, largely unrepresented are women and people of color. This at a time when there is a need to bolster the ranks of the science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM fields. There is an international organization hoping to correct the imbalance. It's called 500 Women Scientists. Joining me in studio to talk about it are Eli Chen, science and environment reporter, that is, for St. Louis Public Radio. Kristen Onken is a member of 500 Women Scientists. She is with uh, Alchem Pharmaceuticals in Fenton. Gillian McQuarrie is a member of 500 Women Scientists and an environmental scientist at Monsanto. Thank you all so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Kristen, let me start with you. What is going on? Why this, is, this imbalance that I mentioned is something we've been talking about for a long time, and yet it persists. What's happening? Um, so I think what you see a lot in the sciences is, um, you know, when people hear about women being discriminated against or people of, pers- people of color being discriminated against, you think, oh, they're just not getting hired. Um, and that's definitely true in some cases. But I think a lot of it is you're just not being treated equally at the workplace and you're not being given the same opportunities. Like you get passed over for things a lot that as, as a woman scientist I've felt before, uh, you know, you get talked over a lot in meetings, you don't get taken seriously. And it's, I think it's one of those things that a lot of women have kind of just learned to deal with. And I think we're sick of it. So we're like, we're just, we're, this needs to change. This Matt needs to Helen stop not, happening. That is hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. That, yep. that sort of thing. But uh, is it Jillian or Gillian? Jillian. Jillian. Um, doesn't it start earlier? It just seems that so many women are, are just not, and, and people of color, if you are not seeking to, to uh, become educated and work in these fields that we're talking about. It does. And it, it starts with education. It starts with the schools, with, the, with those teachers, with their parents that are comfortable with talking about science, that bring science into their home, you know, are solid in, in the sciences in the early years, bring data science in, you know, graphing and first grade, second grade and things like that, and making kids feel comfortable and feel like they're part of science. Kids of all ages and colors, and you know, they really need to to get the exposure that you know other people of privilege are getting routinely. I, I want to follow up in that a moment, but uh, get uh, Eli into the story. What are you seeing in your field, Eli, as you as you cover the uh, this field of science? What are you seeing with regard to this disparity and lack of representation? Yeah. So. Um, Quite a lot, actually. Um, so the thing is, I try to include as many female scientists or people of color in my stories as I can, um, just because I know, you know, they, they exist in the sciences and they need more visibility. But historically, science has not been kind to them. And, you know, it's reported that one in three, you know, science professors experience sexual harassment, for example. And that's very disheartening to hear about. And, you know, the culture needs to change and, you know, recognize that, you know, people of color, women, you know, contribute a lot. You know, this is something, and getting ready for this program, that I've come across again and again and hadn't heard so much about before, which is probably be my fault. But the fact is this discrimination word has come up uh, a, c- a couple of times, several times already in this discussion, that women in the field are discriminated against. Why? I mean, what, what, uh, on what basis? Do you know? Well, I mean, I, I can, you know, give my experiences, I yeah. guess, and share some of that. But um, I, I've been given opportunity, right, 
you know, fright out of, you know, my undergraduate degree to work in forestry and in male-dominated fields where I, you know, I guess I didn't necessarily feel it directly. I either just barreled ahead and did what I needed to do and um, did what I had to do to, to get the job done. Um, but but I do know that I have plenty of colleagues and colleagues that, that have had direct discrimination about what they do and or, you know, been mansplained plenty of things about things that they are experts in, you know. And, and uh, I, I'm probably undercutting some of my own experiences by, you know, not being specific on some of the discrimination that's slight or, or really mild, but, you know, it's... Yes. Kristen, is this why women are not going into the field? Um, I think even more than women not going into them, you see a lot of women leaving these fields because they, again, they just get sick of it. And they, you know, think there's got to be something better to do that I can feel more fulfilled and rewarded. And I don't feel like I'm going to be being held back all the time. And I think a big part that leads into this is, you know, there's still kind of stereotypes of traditional male, female roles. So when you see women of in my, you know, 20s and 30s around my age that are wanting to start families, you see them getting discriminated against because, well, she's going to be taking care of her family. She's not going to be able to put as much time into work. And you don't ever hear anyone saying that kind of thing about men, So, which they should be taking care of their families too. So there's, I mean, they think there's things inherently associated with being a woman that we can't avoid, <laughs> that, that you're, you're constantly getting the kinds of things you mentioned don't only apply to women in the field of science. I mean, no. it's, it's throughout the, the, the working world, mm-hmm. as we're seeing most vividly uh, recently. Eli? Yeah, that's something that I've definitely heard as well from some of the sources I've interviewed, um, just female scientists being t- um, told at conferences, you know, um, that, you know, that uh, with children, they might not be able to perform their work as well. And that's something that male scientists don't really get told um, very much or at all. And I was also thinking about uh, Nobel Prize winner uh, Tim Hunt and what he said a couple years ago about women being distracted in the laboratory. And it sparked this really um, this really interesting Twitter hashtag, um, distractingly sexy, which, which was a wonderful, beautiful thing where like a bunch of, you know, female scientists from all over the world posted um, photos of themselves in the laboratory with that, that hashtag. Well, let me give you another quote, and I'm sure you're all familiar with it, and that's from Lauren Summers, the former president of Harvard, uh, who said that women don't have an innate ability in science. It's wow. Patently false. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're just going to let it go at that? No. Um, <laughs> it's not ability. It's effort. Yeah. And, so, and so when it comes down to, to your success, you don't have to just be good at something. You can get better at something, and you can put effort into it and have you know, what you call a growth mindset to really improve yourself, improve your skills, um, and, and dive in. And you know, that sounds, you know, I guess, like a straight path, but obviously there's a lot of problems in people getting to that means. So. Kristen, do you want to weigh in on Mr. Summers? Mm-hmm. Well, and there's obviously a lot of antiquated ideals that go with that. You know, people always used to say, oh, men are better at math and engineering and spatial reasoning yeah. and that kind of thing. And there is, there's no science to back that up. So <laughs> women have just as much of an aptitude for that sort of thing. Um, everybody has an aptitude for science in some degree. You might not be good at math, but that doesn't mean you can't work in the sciences. You may not understand chemical reactions, but there's so many opportunities in the field of science that everybody, if they, that's what they want to do, can do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if I can add, you know, um, I was looking up some research related to um, you know, the quality of science as a, as it pertains to, you know, women and people of color being involved. And, um, you know, there's studies that show that women are women scientists are often held to a much higher standard. They work harder, but, um, you know, they're not treated quite as well as their male colleagues. Um, I was also thinking of this study from Harvard a couple years ago by this economist, Richard Friedman, who, who showed that papers are cited more if they include a more diverse set of authors. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's um, that's not something to be taken, you know, unlikely. Yeah, Kristen. So, what is five hundred women scientists going to do about this? So, obviously, a big part of you know we haven't been around that long yet, but um, a big part of it is just outreach to the communities. Um, we have this event on Wednesday, Beer with Women Scientists at Four Hands, um, and a big part of that is just kind of being like, hey, here's this big group of women scientists. We all have different jobs. We've got doctors, veterinarians, chemists, environmental scientists, like all all over the spectrum of science that are going to be there. Like these are all the different things you can do in the science. Talk to these women, you know, see how they got there, you know, and kind of listen to our journey and how we got to where we are. Um, So just kind of educating the public on what being a woman scientist means is a big part of it. And then also outreach and mentoring women who want to get into the sciences. Sort of a recruiting uh, effort, I guess. That's Mm -hmm. a big big part of it. Yes. You know, is 500 women scientists, Jillian, a misnomer? There are (laughs) many thousands of women scientists (laughs) and and around the world. I mean, we're talking about an international organization. Do the same problems that uh, you face, women face here in the fields, uh, exist in other countries. Absolutely. And they're compounded by lots of other things like, you know, poor schools, you know, poverty, um, all kinds of, you know, other environmental factors that, that are different than they are here in the, in the U.S. Um, and so it's, it's great that we're global, you know, and, and dri- women-driven um, because women um, mentors is really what, what will help us move forward and and also it helps, you know, in terms of not just getting there, but then getting, you know, making progress in your own career, getting to be where you want to be in your career, and then even in leadership. Eli, again, let me go back to you with regard to what, what you've learned, and you've observed this in, in your reporting, and the people that you're able to talk to, you're finding that they're pretty much uh, white men, I, I, I gather. Yeah, uh, kind of male, pale, and stale. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry, as Don. One, on, on one who is a male and pale, I guess I'll, I'll have to live with that. <laughs> but uh, in terms of, you know, when you talk to women who may be considering the fields, the STEM fields, if you will, what are you hearing from them? Are you hearing the same thing that we're hearing from these two other ladies? So I'll be honest, I don't um, – so I, I mostly talk to scientists who are already scientists, um, and um, I don't think I talk to too many people who are aspiring to go into science. But um, one thing I will say is that, um, you know, for um, some, of the, some of the people I've talked to um, who, who want to cite, you know – they. Um, Sorry, let me back up. So I, I'm thinking recently about um, a conversation I had with this geologist, um, and she, you know, told me that there weren't, you know, when she was going into geology, there weren't really that many, you know, women who looked like her in the field um, or women at all. I think when she just was really interested in studying volcanoes, and um, and I, and you know, it's one way. It's 
one path to just, you know, kind of go and, you know, pursue what you're interested in. But I think it would really encourage more women to get in the field if they saw, you know, more people who look like them in it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the group of 500, the 500 women scientists, um, the information that I've been reading about the organization is that uh, there is a lot of concern about the current political climate and the impact that that is having on science. Um, Kristen, what you were talking about earlier seemed more like kind of a a social get-together, a recruiting effort, if you will. Mm -hmm. What part of of this climate, the political climate, is bothersome to you? Um, Well, just the way a lot of uh, people in political positions are speaking about women is very disturbing. Um, Things that are being said, hearing about things they've done is horrific, um, to say the least. But at the same time, things with like the um, immigration bans and cuts to research funding, if we keep progressing down the path we're on, we're going to have a massive brain drain in the United States. You're, we're already starting to fall behind other countries in innovation, and we used to be leaders in that field. And if you're not getting – science needs diverse ideas, and to get diverse ideas, you need diverse people. And if we're limiting – if we're discouraging women, people of color, other minorities from engaging in the sciences, you're going to lose a lot of really good ideas that and innovation that could be happening. Jillian, there are a lot of science deniers in mm. our, our world today. Um, comment on that, if you would, and, and if there's any impact on you and the work that you do. Absolutely. Um, science touches every aspect of our lives, right? We, you know, we're, we're sitting here on the radio. This is old school technology, but it's still relevant today, right? And, um, and you're still using, I'm sure you're using data science and what you do here. So in terms of the general public and, and really having a a, a general distaste for all things that are, you know, technology or science-based. Um, it's a, it's a shame because we've, as a civilization, we've we've really grown because of science, and we've developed to become who we are as a society because of science and because of the advancements in in all sorts of science, in agriculture, in um, you know, in just core technologies, right? And so, uh, science deniers, in terms of you know some of the work that I do. Um, you know, a lot of pushback, I would say, would be some of the studies that Monsanto does that are in-house, for example. You know, and um, we're, we are GLP, so we, we follow What's that? Uh, good laboratory practices, mm-hmm. which means that what we do with the data we produce is, is um, you know, very traceable. Um, it's time-stamped, and, and we, have our, we do our best to be open about that. And, uh, and then you have people who will, who will insist that... Uh, if you if a company does their own studies, it can't be believable because they're just doctoring the books, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and that's just kind of the these are people that, that are still intelligent and, and and care about the science and and have a good understanding about the science um, are just, just simply discrediting you know some of the basic steps we take. But uh, but yeah, in general, it's it's a it's a it's a really big problem uh, where you have people that are that are scientifically illiterate, as you would say, um, and mm-hmm. so therefore just deny. How did you get into it? Um, I, you know, as a child, I had a wooded backyard, so I would wander in the woods, and I would spend hours in the woods, and I was, you know, given the freedom to do that. And so I developed a love for biology and all things life sciences, and so I just was able to foster that. Kristen, how about you? Um, I was always interested in the math and science fields. Um, 
my sister taught me how to do her math homework. She's two years older than me, taught me how to do her math homework. So I would do it for her when I was in like <laughs> kindergarten. Um, <laughs> but I liked doing it. So I didn't, you know, I didn't argue. But I always, I had some really good science teachers in high school. And what drew me to chemistry was to be able to create these models and formulas for things that you can't actually see and have it make sense and have it work was just fascinating to me. And I had really good teachers that really drove me to pursue the sciences. And what specifically do you do now with the Alchem Pharmaceuticals? So right now I'm a quality control data reviewer. So I spend a lot of time checking other people's work. (laughs) How about you, Eli? How did you get into it? How did I get into science? How did I get into science and and science reporting. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's an interest of yours. A so, significant um, interest. yeah, I guess the, one of the most common questions I get is whether or not I have a science background, and I have a very, very, very minor science background. I, I was an environmental sustainability major um, in my undergrad, but. Um, but that was really focused on trying to communicate climate change and invasive species. And um, I decided to go into science communication because I thought it was really interesting. Um, I had interned at Science Friday, and I got to talk to you know, a different scientist every week. And I thought that was just so fascinating, so I kept pursuing that. Well, what advice would you have for young people who are you know, maybe considering this is something that they'd like to look into? Being a, being a science yeah. communicator? Yeah. Well, well, actually getting into the world of science in, in any form, in any capacity. Well, I think, you know, like, looking back on, you know, some of the people I've interviewed, um, I was, um, you know, for example, um, a few years back I had to organize this robotics exhibit where people were creating the most amazing machines in the world. And I, and I wish, you know, um, I wish that I, you know, known that this is something that, you know, I could pursue or um, or that, you know, people were, you know, diving into the oceans to, you know, find out um, what was living down there. And I think, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, knowledge that um, that's, you know, that's, you know, up for pursuit. And I think that it's really exciting to get involved in that. What, Kristen, what advice would you have? Um, I would say that the best thing you can do is talk to people who are already in the sciences. Um, Like I said before, there's science is such a diverse term. There's so many different avenues you can take that if it's something you really want to get into, you can find a place for yourself and what's right for you. And talking to people who are already doing it is probably the best way to do that or figure out a path forward. Science is a diverse term, but it it lacks diversity. I guess that's part of what we're talking about. (laughs) Jillian, how about you? What would you? What advice would you have for you? I would. I would add on to what what Eli and, and Kristen have said, and say that um, you know, if you're uh, you know a high school student, say, and you're kind of getting close to choosing a major in college or or you know picking your direction, that you look for other organizations that are uh, appropriate that would work for you. If you if you have an interest in in geology, if you know, go to find something local. You know, there's lots of St. Louis um, groups that kind of drive activities that are science-based, botanical gardens, uh, you know, lots of um, things that are local that, that are worth exploring and taking the time to And, of course, there are the 500 course, Women Scientists 500 Organization. Women Scientists, which is a family-friendly I'll, I'll, event. I'll, I'll just <laughs> point out that your event at the Four Hands Brewing Company is tomorrow from yes. 6 and 9. Anybody who would like to come can come, right? It's just Ask allies. Uh, you don't have families. to be a scientist or just someone with an interest in, uh, in in what we're talking about. Yes. Okay, in the time we have left, I'm going to turn back to Eli because I want to give you an opportunity to talk about Story Collider, its involvement with science, and what you're up to. 
Yeah, and you know, I will. I'll try to be at that 500 women scientists meetup to just to, you know, see if anyone's um, willing to tell a story for the Story Collider. So, uh, for those who are not familiar with the Story Collider, it's um, it's basically the moth. It's personal stories live on stage with some connection to science, and uh, we're about to announce the lineup for our March 7th show at the Ready Room. So, and that lineup is actually mostly women. We have two female uh, biologists and one female black doctor, and um, and most of the lineups that we've had in the past have been mostly women as well. Good. Well, we'll keep uh, the the audience in touch with what's going on in that. Eli Chen, thank you so much for being with us. Good luck with the Story Collider Project. And I want to thank uh, Jillian McQuarrie, uh, for being with us. Thank you so much. And Kristen Anken, thank you as well. Thank you. Good luck with your uh, event tomorrow night. Thank, thank you. you. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh. <laughs>